Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. All right, well, we're going to get into a series today, and the title of our series is God Will Make a Way. Come on, say, God Will Make a Way. We're going to be in a nine-week series starting today uh, looking at the life of Moses. And every summer, we do a a walk through the book of the Bible, or or we'll walk through the character. And uh, life of Moses, man, this has been rocking my world, rocking my life, and I hope it rocks your world too in the most positive way. Uh, But it also messes you up a little bit and challenges you and convicts you and makes you say, man, I'm a little self-focused, need to be more Jesus-focused, amen? Uh, But today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a message the Lord gave me a very clear message uh, uh, last week, I preached at one of, uh, a church that I'm an elder at up in Edmonton. The Lord gave me a very clear word, and it's a great starting point for our series as we look at God will make a way. And so uh, the life of Moses, God will make a way, and what we're going to talk about is really how um, the reality is, is that we don't get a chance often to see the beginning and the end of a character's life in the Bible. We don't often get to see when they were born and to the point when they died and get to see their decisions in life and how they lived their lives and how they chose to follow the Lord. And it gives us an opportunity to look at their life and and, and study it and see, okay, where did they go wrong and where can we not do that? But where did they go right and where can we do that? You know, and and, uh, Moses was a man of God and really we can look at his failures and his successes. And despite the fact that Moses made so many mistakes, so many mistakes, in fact, such a big mistake that God showed up to kill him. (laughs) and if it wasn't for his wife he would be dead (laughs) and uh, we'll get there later but that's kind of interesting God makes a way where there is no way are you here this morning come on it's 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 Canada Day weekend you can smile you can laugh it's okay come on God won't smite you if you smile in church or laugh come on turn the person next to you and say it's okay to talk in church come on it's okay to say pastor amen let's hear somebody say amen amen Come on, can somebody on the right side say, on your right, my left, your right, your left, my right. Say, hey, I like that, Ryan. Come on, on on this side, let's say, ooh, that's good. Okay, so like, I'm an American. How many Americans in the room today? Come on now. Hallelujah. So Charlie, you're as quiet as a mouse, so you don't count. You act like Canadian. Americans are a little loud. So I know it's July uh, 2nd. Now we're coming to July 4th. But I just need you to come on. You're at church today. You came all the way to our 10 o'clock service. You might as well talk to me, right? You might as well say, yeah, that's good. Come on. I got, about, I got you for the next 30 minutes or so. And I'm going to preach my heart out. And I got a message for you that I believe could change your life. Amen. And I believe that today. And so what we're going to talk about today is life of Moses. And often God will lead the Moses and the people of Israel into a situation that just does not make sense. And so the impossible situations that they find themselves in are challenging and difficult. And as they go through the process, they, they face things that don't make sense. And they face things that God said he's going to do one thing and it looks like he's doing another thing. Yet every single way, God makes a way. And so if you have your, how many have a paper Bible in the room? Any paper Bibles in the room? Come on, raise your paper Bible up. Come on, it's paper. You know, this is, the scrolls were written on paper. You know, if you have your digital Bible, pull your digital Bible up in the air. Come on, you guys are not participating at all with me right now. I will verbally rebuke you. No, I'm just kidding. 
Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 13, the end of the chapter and the beginning of chapter 14. And we're going to look at a whole chapter today, and uh, we're going to spend the last portion of our time letting the Bible do its own preaching. Uh, but I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Amen? Amen. Come on, followers of Jesus, what's, what is the, uh, our guiding light in our life? What is it? The Word of God. So come on, let's bring our Bibles to church. And uh, it's fine if you bring your digital Bible. The problem with the digital Bible is while you're looking at it, what's happening? Oh, that house you're looking at or that Twitter thing or that Instagram's popping up. You're like, man, this is way better than this sermon. And so you click that and you go there. So I encourage you, find a paper Bible, bring it to church, and let's read it together. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's look at this here today. We're going to look at a scripture in Exodus chapter 13. And what we're going to do is we're going to fast forward. I know we're going to start next week at the beginning of his birth. But today we're going to fast forward. And at this moment in the story, we have that Moses has now convinced Pharaoh, uh, no thanks to God's constantly hardening his heart. Um, he's finally convinced Pharaoh to let the people go. And they go in a 200 or so kilometer uh, journey uh, all the way uh, across the coastal plain. And they find themselves in this spot, in this story, and they've, they've, they've left Egypt, they've collected the goods from the Egyptian people, uh, the, 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 the firstborn child of every Egyptian had, has died, God protected the people, they're on this journey, they're on their way, and now we find on this, in this scripture today, in Exodus chapter 13, well that was quick, 13 verse 20 to 22, and then verse uh, chapter 14, 1 and 2, read it in your Bible, read it on your phone, look on the screen, I'm changing mics. There we go. That was perfect. You like that? Exodus chapter 13. Let's read it together. It's on the screen or in your Bible. After leaving Succoth, they camped in Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God, the people of Israel were being led by God, by fire by night and cloud by day. Everywhere they went was led by God. Every step they took was led by God. Everywhere they went, every time they took a step, when they stumbled or they found themselves in a detour or they went somewhere that didn't make sense, God led them there. Look what the scripture says in verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihahiroth. Pihahiroth. That's how you say that. Let's try it with me. Pihahiroth. <laughs> you guys said Piha. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near this place between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Today, we're going to talk about it just doesn't make sense. You know what doesn't make sense? People who drive slow in the fast lane. In the States, I don't know if we do this here in Canada. I don't think we do. Or maybe they do in some schools. But in the States, they have a grading system that's A, B, C, you know. They have A, B, C, D, F. Where's the E? It doesn't make sense. Like, like uh, how about the hot dog bun situation? How many hot dogs are in a package? Eight? And then they ha huh, 12? Oh, they have 12 now? 12? And how many are in the, the hot dog bread pack? Why do they do that? It doesn't make sense. 
Why do they call it a, a pair of jeans when it's only one? It, things like this just don't make a lot of sense. There's things in our life that don't make sense. You know, a lot of things that happen, and today we're going to touch on some, you know, it's Freedom Day, or Freedom Day, it's uh, Canada Day, sorry, it's, I, I call it Freedom Day, because it's Canada Day weekend, but you know what, uh, the truth is, every one of us came here today facing things in our life that absolutely don't make sense, things that leave us clueless when we follow after God, and we feel like He leads us down this journey, and we find ourselves at, at a dead end. We make decisions in life, or maybe you're facing something and you're in a moment in your life right now where you say, why did God lead me to this house that was perfect and then the sale fell through? Why did God allow me to get pregnant and then I lost my child? Why was it that I went into this relationship thinking that it would be perfect and then it turns out it didn't work at all and the relationship fell apart? God, this does not make any sense. Why? Did my father get sick? Or why did I get sick? None of this makes any sense. Why did I not get blessed as a follower of God? I look across the whole world and see all sorts of people who don't serve God and they are living the life. My car breaks down and here drives a Lamborghini of a guy who flips me off on the drive-by. I'm thinking, God, I thought you said that you will curse those who curse me. They look very blessed, Lord. <laughs> These things happen in our life that just don't make sense. It causes us to stop and wonder sometimes, God, where are you? God, why have you done this? Why have you left me in this circumstance? God, I thought you led me here. God, I thought you brought me to this place. God, I thought you had me do this. God, I felt you had confirmation. God, this was right. It just doesn't make any sense. I thought serving you would lead to blessing, not suffering. Do you ever feel like sometimes you wonder if even God is, where is God? Is he even with me? This doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense when sometimes you go to church and you're a part of an environment and the, the pastor does something stupid and you get offended and hurt and you never go to church again. It doesn't make sense when you come into the house of God and you join a group and man, something goes south with the leader or something happens in your group and you find yourself broken and you're like, you know what, whatever. Life is all about things that don't make sense. And the worst part about it is this, God led me there. God led me to that spot. I want you to hear me today that over the next nine weeks, you will find that God will lead Moses and the people of Israel to multiple seasons of it doesn't make sense. Why? So that God will make a way where there is no way. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense why these things happen the way they do. And I'm here to encourage you today that some of you may not be, might not be in this place and you might think, wow, that was a cute sermon. And man, I know exactly where he's going. And yeah, he said this and he said this. And yeah, it makes sense. But some of you are in the room today where you are in a season right now where you are not going to like what I have to say. Because why? Whenever we are facing something that doesn't make sense in our lives, the last thing we want to hear is biblical principle. The last thing we want to hear is that, oh, God's going to make a way. Oh, yeah, God's going to make a way. How is God going to make a way through the death of my son? 
How is God going to make a way from a Christian marriage going through nasty divorce? How is God going to make a way when I went broke? How is God going to make a way through bankruptcy? How is God going to make a way through a broken heart? How is God going to make a way? See, the reality is, is that oftentimes when we face things in our life that don't make sense, the only remedy and solution we have is biblical principle and biblical truth. But it's the last thing we want to hear because often we are thinking like people of this world. We forget that we are sojourners and citizens, sojourners on this planet and citizens of heaven. See, when we read this text, something very interesting happens when we read this text in the scripture. It's very, very easy to miss it. And I imagine most of you have, mainly because you probably, and maybe, maybe some of you have, Maybe you haven't studied this verse in, in, in Exodus chapter 14, 1 and 2. And so you read it, and, and this is the story. I don't know if you know this, but this is the story when God led the people of Israel to cross the Red Sea. This is the story when the people of Israel were standing with challenge, uh, challenges behind them and around them, and God made a way by allowing, I'm giving you the punchline to the story here. They, God made a way. He, he allowed them to cross the Red Sea. And so often when we read this chapter, we skip right to the punchline. And many of us want to get to the end of the story in the Bible when none of us are in the end of the story. We are right where we are today in the story that I'm going to share with you. You say, man, I want God to part my Red Sea. God says, I will, but that's not where I have you right now. That's not where you are. You are where you are today in this scripture where it doesn't make any sense. And here they are, a spot where God had led them to this place. And at this point in our story, as I mentioned, Moses has led them to a place. He, God led them to Succoth. And then they went to a place, and let's see if we can see it here. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham, on the edge of the desert. Now, often we'll read right by this verse and think, okay, whatever, this is no big deal. But do you understand that when God led them to Etham, he passed the place where he would have them cross the Red Sea and went 24 kilometers past it to a place where there were 70 square kilometers was Etham. On the left, there was a 300 meter high mountain. In front of them, there was a 300 meter high mountain. And on the right of them was the Red Sea. God led them to a dead end. In fact, if you re will keep reading, you'll find there was literally no purpose for God leading them 48 kilometers out of the way. He led them to Etham. This doesn't make any sense. When I read this story, I think, God, what are you doing? Why didn't you just stop where they needed to cross? Why didn't you just stop right there and just let them go? Like, why did you make them go 48 kilometers out of the way, take them to a place where they were going to look up at the mountains and the waters around them and think to themselves, did I miss here, God? Did I miss the situation here? Moses, like, bro, you need to clean your ears out. Aaron, did you misspeak? Like, what's going on here? Why would God lead us to a dead end on the journey of our walk with God? Why would he do this? Why would he lead us down this direction? And what God did, you need to understand this today, God led them to a place that was a dead end and he did this on purpose. He led them all the way past Migdal, which is an Egyptian military watchtower. 
So when they crossed by all of this, this Egyptian military watcher, they were watching the 1.5 million people journey 200 kilometers all the way up the coastal line. And here, right here, it's hard to see because of our little spot, but it's perfect, a little spot here. Right here is where they were right here were across from Belzephon. And this spot right here was about 16 kilometers. They were going to cross right here. And yet God kept them going all the way up to this dead end, the wall of life. So I call this the Etham dilemma. When God leads you to something that makes no sense, you start to wonder, man, did I miss it? And did I, was I supposed to go? Or was I supposed to be in this relationship? Or man, I should, could have, would have, should I hit, should I have that child? Should I not have that child? Well, did I miss it? Regret, guilt, shame. Sometimes God just leaves you in a situation that doesn't make sense. And I'm going to tell you why today. You need to know something. There is a purpose behind the Etham dilemma. There was a purpose behind why God leads you to these places. These people were trapped in this place and, 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 and they put them into a situation where they had nowhere to go. Things like the cancer report or the lost relationship or the lost job. How many of you, and don't respond, are in that dilemma today? God, I feel like I am an Ethan. Surrounded by the wilderness, surrounded by the water, and soon to be surrounded by my enemy, and I have no stinking clue what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. So we see here today that then what he did was, God said in Exodus 14, 1 and 2, he told them to turn back. And this is the part that struck me when I was reading it. Turn back? I thought, why would he have them turn back? They're already in the spot God wanted them to go to. But look what it says. It says that they turned him. He told him to go back, turn back from Ethan, travel 24 kilometers back down right in front of Migdal. And he had them camp in this spot for eight days just in case Pharaoh wanted to change his mind. So God now positions them in a place where finally Pharaoh, after all the incredible miracles, changing his mind back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, step, 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 uh, office reference. Um, he comes all the way down here to Migdal and here the camp, right? They're standing there watching these people and all the people are thinking, my goodness, would you get us out of this place as soon as possible? Like, why are you having us camp? They camped there for eight days. Look what the scripture says in verse three. It says this, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near that place that I don't want to say again, the pea place, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think. So now God's setting them up. God put them in this place knowing that Pharaoh would change his mind. The Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion hemmed in by the desert and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. So the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go. There's, we have lost their services. There's no more Starbucks baristas. I mean, there's no more people working. Like it's just a decimated service industry. So he, can have, so he and his chariot made ready and took his army with him. And he took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all, uh, all over all of them. And the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea opposite of Baal Zephon. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that, the, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly 
God's leading me. I'm on a mission for God. God spoke to me. Praise God, this relationship is from the Lord. I have so much faith for this next step. Little do they know that God is setting them up for a situation that just doesn't make any sense. Look what he says. The Egyptians and all their horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea, the sea near uh, opposite of Baal Zephon. This just doesn't make any sense why God would change the heart of Pharaoh and allow them to camp for eight days in front of a military encampment where they were now being viewed by, and it took so much time. In fact, the loss of a child across Egypt and locusts and frogs all through, all these things had happened. And still, here's God allowing his people from the very beginning of the journey to be in a situation where they were under attack, had no control, and didn't know what was going on. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, some of you here today, I can just hear you. I can feel it. That's how my life feels like right now. Some of you here today are saying, Ryan, you don't know my situation. You're right. I do not know your situation. Absolutely have not been in your shoes. I've never lost a child. I've never been through a divorce. I've never experienced some of the things some of you experienced today. So I'm not here today saying that God is doing these things to hurt you or to harm you. What I'm trying to help you understand today, that despite the nonsensical situation you find yourself in, God is working behind the scenes for his glory. God is working and working and working behind the scenes of your life. And that's something we have to understand. That even though these hard things happen and we don't understand why, and it's frustrating, I don't want for a moment to begin to pretend like I can even understand what you've gone through. That's not what this is about. But what I'm saying to you today, I hope you'll hear me. God is working behind the scenes. God is about to do something miraculous. God is about to make a way where there is no way. And let me tell you something. Sometimes when God makes a way, he doesn't bring your child back to life. Sometimes when God makes a way, he doesn't fix your financial situation or doesn't, doesn't, that marriage still continues down the journey of being broken apart. You say, Ryan, that doesn't make any sense. Yes, why? Because ultimately at the end of the day, God is involved and God is a part and God is working. But you need to understand that the life and the planet that we live on today is but a moment. Our lives are being lived for eternity. So the things you're facing, when you lost someone, when there was hardship, when you were wounded, and you say, I don't understand, I want to encourage you today to know that one day when you pass away and spend an eternity with Jesus Christ, you will know all things. But I need to tell you today, there might be seasons where on this planet you do not. And it doesn't make any sense. You say, God, why? And you have a choice to make. You have a decision to choose. Okay, Lord, I don't understand why you brought me to Etham. I don't understand why you brought me to Migdal. I don't know why you're allowing Pharaoh to chase after me. I feel like I'm being chased on all sides. But at the end of the day, I understand this one thing. God, you will make a way, whether in this life or in the life to come. So we have to understand something about this story is that very clearly in the scripture, God gave in the very beginning of their journey, the major theme for what God is trying to accomplish through his people on this journey. I'm going to give you two things that we see very clearly in scripture, 
Two very clear things that God wants us to understand that as we journey through our lives, as we go towards our promised land, as we journey through Moses' life, this is what God is trying to get through to all of us, and it will be the same thing until the day that we die. And you can always come back to these two biblical truths when you're in a situation that makes absolutely no sense. And look what the scripture says in Exodus chapter 14. We have to understand firstly that God is a purpose and God is working. But look what God said here in the scripture. Exodus chapter 14, verse 4. He says this, and Pharaoh approached the Israelites. Here's the Israelites looking up at the situation, feeling like maybe some of you do today. And there was the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, what is it because there was no graves in Egypt? And you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Don't, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. The people of Israel were facing a hardship in the very beginning of their journey already. Their hearts were turning away from the Lord. Look what God says to them in the scripture. He says very clearly he has a purpose behind it. He says in the scripture in in Exodus chapter 14, verse 4, I plan this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord and my, my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his, his charioteers. And when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. This is one of those biblical principles you're probably not going to like. But even when though you face a situation that is so difficult and so hard, again, I'm not minimizing the pain that you've experienced. But what I'm saying to you today, our life is not about your glory. It's about his glory. When God chooses to allow things in our lives that don't make any sense, this is what God is trying to teach the people of Israel for 40 years. In fact, for 38 years, they traveled through the desert in the wilderness because they didn't comprehend this one truth. It's not about me. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's not fair. I know that family got it better than I did. I understand it all. But at the end of the day, we have to remember, I am the creation. He is the creator. I am a human. He is God. All oh, the glory belongs to him. And God will take every situation that I face, even if it's lost, even if I lose a child or there's a broken relationship or my, my family faces hardship. God will find a way to display his glory to everyone around us to say, man, they lost a child, yet look at their faith in God. Man, their relationship's falling apart, but look how passionate for the things of God that they are. We have to understand that everything in our life is about God's glory, not my glory. There was a lie a long time ago for the body of Christ that said, when I come to Jesus Christ, I no longer have to take up my cross and follow him. That it's about my, my wealth and my happiness and my prosperity and my goodness. Never facing a problem, never having an issue, never having sickness, never having difficulty. None of those things I will ever have to experience because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That is false teaching. In fact, did you know that the things that don't make sense in your life are the very things that God wants to squeeze his glory out of your life? In fact, we see this in scripture in the New Testament. 
the book of John. You know this story. The book of John, we see that a young man was born blind. As he went along, he saw a man born blind. In verse John chapter 9, verse 1, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Well, you guys have been here before, haven't you? Who sinned? This man or his parents? Oh, you're, you're going through a, a divorce, huh? Yeah, hmm, who sinned in this relationship? Oh, you're, you have a, a sickness in your life. Hmm, how's your faith doing? Have you been reading your Bible? That might be why you're sick. See, people say stupid stuff when people are facing hardship, don't they? And the, the disciples thought, well, obviously this guy's born blind. Then this must be a consequence for his poor decisions in life. Look what God says. Jesus says this in the scripture. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Where are his works being displayed? You see it? Does this make any sense, God? Why am I blind? Because I want to show my glory in you. See, the only way for us to show our the glory of God is to recognize that when we face hardship and difficulty, we don't understand. We don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense. But I know that God is with me and I know that God will bring glory. And guess what? When God shows his glory, guess what happens? Miracles, signs, wonders, transformation, a move of God. When God's glory is manifested through the lives of people, guess what happens? God shows up and transforms lives. God shows up and heals people and does signs and wonders and makes a difference in their life. You see that the first overarching theme of this entire season, the series of Moses' life, and you'll see it, man. I've been reading and realizing, man, Moses got really set up for a bad gig. <laughs> it's because God wanted to display his glory. The second thought is this today. The purpose of the situations that don't make sense, and it's very simple, is so that God will increase your trust in him. Some of you just checked out, well, I got that figured out. You'll notice that 40 years it took them to learn to truly trust in the Lord. Look what it says in the scripture in Exodus chapter 4, 30, 14, 31. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. See, this is all God wants from us, just to trust him. Just to trust him when things don't make sense. Just to trust him when things are hard. Just to trust him, God, I trust you. This doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm facing this. I don't know why I'm going through this. But God, I trust you. I trust you. I know I'm in a dead end. I know I'm in Etham. I know I'm across from Migdal. I know that the, the enemy is upon me. I know this is not easy, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Some of you need to hear this today. Look what Moses said to the people. Moses answered the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to. I'm gonna, a nuns, doesn't make any sense. What do you want me to do? I will fight for you. I will, I will, I will go ahead of you. Don't be afraid, stand firm. I don't want you to do anything, but shut your mouth and be still. Don't complain, don't be frustrated. 
frustrated. Don't take it out on your wife. Don't be mad at everyone around you. Just be still and put your trust in the Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I'm going to be still and know, Lord, that you are going to go before me. I trust you, Lord. And listen, just stop. He says, I want you to stop. I want you to do 24 kilometers. I want you to camp right in front of Midgal across the bales of fall. Eight days, I want you to sit on your butt and be still. I don't want you to say a word. I want you to sit there. Be still. And know that I am God. I sat there for eight days. And this is all about wanting to trust the Lord. James 1, 2, and 4. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know. Say, you know. He's like, guys, you know this. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. First Peter 1, 6 to 7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. They, they, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is 